Helmick graduated from Miramonte High School and was a reserve volunteer firefighter for the Moraga Fire District back in the 1990s. Brian and his wife moved to Oakley, and by 2002, he became a full-fledged firefighter. In 2017, he accepted the position as Fire Chief of East Contra Costa Fire Protection District, otherwise known as ECCFPD. His wife is a local middle school teacher. They have three children and now reside in Brentwood. Let's welcome Brian. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. That was very nice. Thank you. Here I am. Thank you very much. That Yay. was very nice. Yeah. Well, our pleasure. Welcome to the show, and thanks for taking time out of your day to chat with me. We, we won't take a lot of your time. I know you're busy, but I did want to uh, highlight that we had an article in the 110 Magazine in our November issue with you, so we got to um, share some information with our readers, and we just want to dig a little deeper and then we also want to do a little bit of updating since that article came out so maybe there's some it. new things we can share yeah so let's just start with the basics share with me what your duties are at eccfpd i mean it's a big job maybe just give us a little breakdown of that yeah so my duties uh, my duties as the fire chief it's pretty comprehensive um my my job is to directly report to the fire board. So I have five elected board members that oversee the policies of the fire district. And it is my job to be able to report to them. They provide the direction and the strategic planning for the district where we wanna go. And it's my job to provide recommendations and then to execute uh, what it is they direct me to do. Uh, the fire board has two employees, our legal counsel and myself. Uh, the legal counsel works directly for me in all other matters unrelated to my negotiations or things related to me. Uh, and the fire board has those, those two employees. So I don't only manage the day-to-day -day operations of the fire district, uh, but it is my job to see all aspects of the fire district. That is uh, the finances, the strategic planning, the operations, the prevention activities. Uh, with that being said, is there's no way uh, that I would be able to achieve those things uh, if I didn't have a good team. And so I have many direct reports. I have a business services side uh, that has multiple people to report to my business services manager. I have a fire marshal uh, that many people through our fire prevention bureau report to. And I also have operations chiefs and shift battalion chiefs that manage the day-to-day -day operations and each of the stations. So it is my job to make sure that I um, make sure everything is run as efficiently as it can. Um, it is to run uh, meetings and provide the direction that we need to do. And, you know, it's, it's very challenging. Uh, it's not only dealing with the day-to-day, -day, but it is really also looking way downfield and trying to figure out how the decisions of today are impacting tomorrow and the months and the weeks and the years to come. And so it is working also with the community, uh, trying to make sure that people are educated and informed of what we do. And I think the biggest thing uh, that I'm responsible for doing is really identifying if things are going well or not. And if things are not going so well, if we have gaps in services, it is my job to educate and inform the fire board and provide them with recommendations for solutions. And that's, if you've been monitoring the fire district for the past three years, since I've had the privilege to serve in this capacity, what you'll see is that I've highlighted 
what many already know uh, to be service level deficits. And I've been providing recommendations, not only to the fire board for us to improve and address not only decade old issues, but things that come up on a weekly, monthly basis, COVID being one of them. We've had to be very dynamic uh, dealing with COVID. So my job is, is essentially, uh, in other terms, I am the general manager. Um, I am, uh, the, I do the same thing as a city manager, but the difference is I'm very narrowly focused. City managers have to deal with all aspects of the city. We as the fire district are very fire rescue uh, centric, and that's what we focus on and what we do. So that's kind of the tip of the iceberg, and uh, it, it's a challenging job, but I absolutely love what I do. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that you love it because, yeah, it sounds definitely very challenging. And of all, you know, it's already challenging. And then we get the year 2020 that happens. And a lot of things have happened this year with, of course, COVID. So tell me a little bit about what changes um, you have had to adopt with COVID and how you're handling that. And just maybe um, the year as a whole, how. Um, you know, there's there's uh, several challenges that have happened this year. So let's just start with COVID. Let's start with that. Yeah. Well, man, it doesn't seem that long ago. What March, January, February, February, and March of this year is when COVID started to become a reality. And uh, COVID really turned our business, the fire district, upside down. Uh, it wasn't just one facet of how we do business. It really changed the way we do business overall. It impacted our operations, right? Uh, us responding to calls, uh, the way that we get when we get back from calls, the way that we have to decon the stations and prepare our members, given safety equipment, even through the dispatch center, we have a regional dispatch center. The way we process calls um, is completely different. Uh, so it's not only the way we process calls, the way we respond to calls when we come back, uh, the living conditions among, amongst our members of what can go into the stations, what's to stay on the apparatus, the way things that are deconned. And so operationally, it has changed the way we do business. And it's not only on medical aids. A lot of folks don't know, but we have to be sensitive to COVID on vehicle accidents, on structure fires, and, and definitely on medical aids. Uh, so it has changed the way we do business operationally. It has made our job, which was already challenging, um, substantially harder. It didn't only impact us on the operations component, it also impacted us in our prevention bureau. Our prevention bureau, they, uh, what they do is they do plan review, they do inspections, they do investigations, and all of those practices had to change. Now, plan reviews were by, we, we recommend now that people mail things in versus coming in in person. When people have to come in in person, it has to be by appointment only, which creates its complexities. Having people at the administration building, we're trying to be as remote as we can, uh, but you'll find that we're we're frequently in and out uh, because you can't do everything from outside of the office. We're trying to be as safe as we possibly can. Uh, doing inspections has been very difficult. Doing investigations has been difficult. Um, it's not only on what we have to wear, it's how we interface with the community and the public, but the community risk reduction and doing the inspections and doing prevention is very important what we do. And we had to continue to move forward, but we had to change the way of which we've done that. And lastly, administratively. Administratively, I think, uh, you know, that's kind of the fuel. Um, that's kind of the oil that keep us going on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, our administration staff, as I stated, not only the Prevention Bureau, but also those that directly report to me, it has been remote. So our, our board meetings are no longer in person. Our finance meetings are no longer in person. 
the way of which I have to hold my executive staff meetings are no longer in person. I do all hands meetings with all of our personnel on a quarterly basis, captain's meetings on a quarterly basis, cannot do that in person. We have to try to be as remote as we can uh, to be able to do those. And it is made uh, relationally, it's challenging. Um, I'm a very interactive person. I like being around our crews, around our personnel, and it has really changed the way of which uh, we've had to do business. Uh, so I will say, however, as much of the things that have been difficult and things that I'm not very happy with per se, um, in regards to the reality of where we are at, there has been some positives, right? I think that we have found some better ways to be uh, administratively and operationally efficient, administratively and operationally safe. Uh, there are many things of which I believe that once COVID uh, hopefully is gone, sooner, better than later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are things that will stick, though. There are things that will stick. And there are things that we'll continue to do uh, because it creates a safer and more efficient uh, process for our members in our, in our organization. Speaking of positive things, I did read that we have three fire trucks that were yeah. new put into place. Tell us a little bit about that, because that is, you know, I those are things like we don't even think about behind the scenes that need to be addressed and are important. And we are real lucky to have that. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that's also challenging for us, the optics, right, how things look. Uh, when I came in three years ago, one of the, the things that folks just weren't aware of and didn't know because they didn't work here is that due to lack of funding, there were many things. And trying to keep four stations open, we're three today. Uh, we're three sustainable, but we were four, which wasn't sustainable. But there were a lot of things that were being deferred. We were, we were deferring pay increases. Uh, we were deferring what we call capital and equipment replacement plans. We weren't replacing equipment. And when I had the opportunity to come in, the recommendation was made to the board that we scale down to live within our means, to be sustainable long-term, to make sure we take care of all of our financial responsibilities, not only in retaining and keeping employees, but also making sure that our equipment is up to speed. And the engines that you're referring to are an example of that. Um, our engines were at the end of, uh, they were at a point where they had to go into reserve capacity. Uh, so we don't, when we replace equipment, we move a lot of the equipment into a reserve capacity. So when our first line equipment either needs to be maintenance, goes out of service, we can bring that back line equipment in and we keep it around for a long time. It isn't until the backup equipment has been there for almost five to 10 years that it actually gets surplused and goes away. So the engines that we've been in for almost 10 uh, plus years, and we, we try to replace apparatus within the industry at 100,000 miles and or 10 years of use. And we were well beyond 10 years and up to almost 150,000 miles. And so those newer engines, uh, there were a lot of challenges that we had because the wear and tear, that the maintenance was becoming regular on them. I uh, did not have the technology to be able to provide the best um, tools and resources to the members that we have. And it just wasn't equipped to the manner of which can make our crews as efficient. And that's the thing about it. The, the, the fire engines that you see on the street, they're the platform. They're the platform that we deploy our resources from to mitigate any emergency we go to. And, and we do get criticism. Why do you bring a big fire engine wherever you go? Well, because the reality is we don't know what we're going to get when we're interfaced with it. But when we go to a fire, these engines, when our members come off of it, those compartments are full of tools, equipment, and resources for all risk, any type of emergency that we come across to be able to begin to mitigate and so uh, that, those engines were a byproduct of two years worth of work. Uh, we had to go through and we had to 
uh, get the specifications that we wanted, which took a lot of research, a lot of internal debate um, of the platform <laughs> we wanted to use and how we wanted to get it done. And there was a, a good uh, investment into the future and into the organization. And then we also took a year to be able to build. And they were built in Wisconsin and we had to go back wow. and them and get it done. And uh, they are, they're a big investment of not only time, uh, there are one-time costs when it comes down to revenue. But I will tell you that uh, those, that's one bright light and actually fruit that we produce that I get to, I have the benefit of when I do interface with our members, that is one thing consistently over the past couple of weeks, if not months, that they, they, they feel. I even met a member that was off duty the other day and when I passed him, uh, the one thing he had to say is, it is nice to be able to drive something that you know is reliable, it's efficient, and it makes us feel that we're effective at what we do. We just need more. And so uh, they, they're they beautiful pieces of equipment. Um, I'm happy to be able to give our members and provide our members, and I know the board is, and I know the members that help design those rigs and get them in line. Um, it, is, it is a direct benefit, again, uh, for the community because we perform better with them. So uh, that, that, it's a huge victory, 10 years in the company. Well, kudos. I'm thrilled when I heard about that, that's, I was just, that's one of the things that there's a lot of things behind the scenes oh, we yeah. as residents aren't aware of. It was a pleasure for 110 Magazine to have the opportunity to interview you, do a nice article about you and the team. And um, you share some great important information in here, uh, the current state of affairs at ECCFPD and how you and your team are working to correct, you know, a lot of decades of, of, you know, mismanagement, ill management, um, you know, just, just, just decades of, of things probably not changing the way they should or, um, and whatever the case may be, but you're making a, a, a lot of strides. You've, you, your team has been working very hard. I see your videos out there that you're sharing the information with the public and you're very transparent. What are some other positive changes that you and your team hope to implement in the upcoming year 2020? Well, yeah, so- I mean, 2021, 2021. Yeah, no, we're gonna get out of 2020. We need, we need to move yes. to 2021. <laughs> And so, at, look, at, looking forward into 2021, and you know, there was a period of time where we were we were very active, uh, probably all the way up until August September. We were doing regular state of the districts, uh, Facebook live events, and we kind of paused. And the reason we paused is that uh, the district endorsed a measure, uh, Measure X, which I believe we may talk about here in a minute or so. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we weren't advocating, uh, which is uh, illegal for the district to do on any in regards uh, to advocate. We can only educate. And so to be safe, we kind of stopped uh, doing the education and informing and letting people know where we're going. And we're going to be getting back out the week of December 14th to do another state of the district and let people know where we are. But I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. Um, some of the things that we look forward to as we work into 2020 is, look, we for the past three years have been trying to find a way of which that we can get sustainable revenue for six fire stations to provide adequate fire protection to our existing residents we are also working diligently to address the growth challenge that we have that we know is going to require additional three stations for the district over 20 years so we have three stations today we have an existing uh, station three station deficit 
And we know our next 20 years, we're going to need an additional three stations for a total of nine. And so looking forward into 21, we are going to be able, we're, we're on I, this month in December and coming in January, uh, we have the last two pieces that we're working to complete to handle the growth challenge entirely, which means that we have the funding mechanisms in place and, and we will. We have a board meeting on the 9th of this month where we're going to be implementing what's called a community facility district, district-wide, that all future uh, residents and developments will participate in to pay for the ongoing operations for those future stations. And we've worked with the city of Oakley, the city of Brentwood, and the county to get in place what is called impact fees, which developers pay, their one-time fees, that pay for the stations and apparatus for those future stations. We've been working for years uh, to get this implemented. And this month on December 9th, we're going to begin the, the CFD in place. And in January, we anticipate the last piece of our impact fee puzzle is going to be done, which means that the growth challenge is corrected. And why is that so monumental? That is monumental because if those mechanisms were in place in the 90s or early 2000s, our existing deficit, it just wouldn't exist. And so we stopped the bleeding, right? And we've corrected that. So as we hopefully in January, that's going to be a quick victory to take care of the growth challenge. But the bigger issue is the existing service level deficit challenge that we have. And I'm confident in the month, uh, the months and the throughout the year of 21, the district is finally going to get over that hill of figuring out how to address our service level challenges. Now, right now, um, the district is going through and looking at the feasibility of many things. Um, as I stated, we were looking at Measure X, Measure X passed. Uh, Measure X uh, is available, potential available revenue uh, that can go towards fire protection. And so we are monitoring and watching to see how that can impact uh, the district. Secondarily is we are about to complete what is called the phase one study of looking at the feasibility of consolidation with the Contra Costa County Fire Protection District. And we have, on December the 9th, we're going to be having a workshop to discuss um, if that's something that the board wants to entertain and move forward with. Uh, staff believes that it is uh, a great opportunity uh, for the board and the district to look at a way of which that we can uh, resolve existing service level deficits. Uh, on December 9th, the board can take action to move us into what is called the phase two study of the annexation or consolidation process, which is gonna be a multi-month process to further justify and validate if or if not, uh, consolidation not only is feasible, but can be done to increase service levels in this area. And so we have those two big pieces that we're working through the feasibility of. Uh, the district also is working with the city of Brentwood, uh, the city of Oakley and the county of looking at monies within their general plans or their budgets to see if their service level increases with the revenues that they have. And we have a fire ad hoc. Uh, we have an ad hoc of two board members that are working with them to see what revenues are available. And then lastly, and I want to stress the word lastly is uh, we also have the means of which if needed uh, to do um, an assessment or a tax uh, to go in front of the residents if the other means are not feasible. And I think the, the fire board in the district is looking that as a, as a last um, potential option. We have been, that's why we've been kind of criticized of why we made an ask. And we have been for the last couple of years, making sure we kick over every rock. We do what, everything we need to do to 
identify and justify, uh, that we've exhausted all of the other means before making an ask. And so what's exciting is, going back to your original question, is that in 2021, these concepts we've been looking at for now two and a half years are coming to a reality. And so we do not know exactly the results of these studies as of today, uh, but in the months to come, they're gonna reveal themselves. And, uh, and I will tell you that as the fire chief, I've been invested into, when I got into the fire district, my goal was to be part of a team uh, that was going to be able to correct what many said was not doable, was it couldn't be corrected, right? And that's what I've been married to. It isn't the means of which, it's not the recipe of how we achieve it. Uh, it is a matter of doing it. And so I wish I can give more. I, I will tell you, as we even get to the week of December 14th, when I do the state of the districts, and it, as days pass and meetings pass and weeks pass, this story is going to continue to evolve and kind of reveal itself on what those decisions are going to be. So it's a very exciting time. I'm actually very encouraged, although we're in a very uh, difficult yet state of emergency within the district. Yeah. But I would say our future is probably brighter than it has been because we have done a lot of work and there's a lot of things that are feasible. And now it's a matter of just working them out to the end and making some final decisions. So 21 is going to be a great year for the residents um, and the members of fire protection within East Contra Costa County. Well, I'm happy to hear that good news because it has been, I'm, I know that, I know you've been working very hard. You're, you and the team have been working very hard for years yeah, out here. Yeah. And I've been around since we were, we were um, boomtown and then we went bust and now we're starting to boom. And there's, we always want everything in place before we start to continue. I mean, as we grow and if we don't have that in place, it's, they're not gonna, we can't turn around and find it once it's, you know, once once the builders are, are not around or the what have you, it's it's hard to go back and say, okay, well, we need these dollars. Where are we gonna get it from? Yet they yeah, benefited yeah, from it. the growth. We definitely you know? need to have it before the development comes in. We gotta have those mechanisms in place, right? And that's been the heavy lift of going back and creating the mechanisms uh, to put in place. And timing's unfortunate but better late than never. Absolutely, absolutely. Now with regards to the actual fire season and, and what's been going on with our weather and those type of hurdles that you are enduring, I, I, we've, got, we've gone through our droughts and now we don't know what's ahead of for us and our fire seasons have become longer and bigger That's as right. well at the same time. So I feel like it's sad, but to some degree that, the fact that we've had these all these fires, people realize how even more important than ever having the the correct um, infrastructure in place is and 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 not and not just having this uh, dealing with this lack, but because a lot of measures were were, were knocked down over over the years, and finally, and it's great that Measure X has is in place. What would you, um, what are your thoughts about how you deal with the fire season and how things are changing with our, with, with, I mean, it's, I know it's year to year, we don't know, but um, it seems like it's extending more oh, and more. It, there's no, there's absolutely no question right? about the fire season extending. And I'll, I'll tell you this, we, the fire seasons, you know, we, we always, as the firefighters, we always joke, this can be worst fire season ever. Right. And the past three years actually have been. I've been in the fire service now and 
in one capacity or another near, you know, 24, 25 years. And we've always stated that, but the last three years have been banner years. And the last three years have uh, burned more acreage, property, life loss than the previous year. And this year has been such a banner year that it actually is more than uh, the last two years combined. And so we are in a, in a very, I know the word unprecedented is used um, a little often these days, but when it comes down to the fire seasons, it, it's, a, it's factually, this year is unprecedented. And look, vegetation hazard abatement, um, the community risk reduction, the prevention measures that people need to do, having adequate fire protection staffing levels, not only within individual districts, but through the state, because we use the mutual aid system rely upon each other. And it, those systems and those places, they need to be in place before the events hit. You know, we are still dealing with, as you stated, you were referencing those drought years. The heavy timbers, the heavy timbers that we're dealing with, um, we they still have not recovered. And that's a lot of things that folks need to know is that the risk that we have and the fuels and the fuel moistures, um, the weather events that we're having, um, that's the situation is that we are in critical fire season later into the year. We're just just now. I mean, usually historically, you would get to the beginning. Uh, you get October beginning in November. We'd be winding things down and look at us now. We're in we're in December and we're just winding things down now. And we were just a week ago, two weeks ago. We actually were planning for fire season to go all the way into the second or third week until December. And which means that in March or April, fire season is kicking off and it's no longer a couple couple month event. It's almost a year round event. And so these fires, though, when the fire season ends, understand our, our, our challenges don't go away. They just transition because now all of that acreage that is burned. Um, now we have to get prepared for landslides. We got to get prepared because the, the soils and the land um, and depending upon the topography, uh, it changes our issues. The roads get wet increased vehicle accidents, people are using chimneys, we have chimney fires, people you have heating devices, candles, uh, home and residential fires, medical aids start to increase because we get into flu season. And so the, yes, we don't have these huge campaign fires per se, uh, but the life safety and the risk uh, that we work, our call volume is consistent. And so uh, again, but going back to your point on the fire season is, it is a very real thing. Um, we have to be very aggressive um, we need the individuals in our communities uh, to be participants in what it is that we do. It starts with their property, encouraging your neighbor's mm -hmm. property. And that goes from not only neighbor to neighbor, community to community, town to town, city to city, because that is really what helps us create a safe community. And so um, you're going to see a lot of things. You're going to hear a lot of things, not only through the state, through legislation, especially in 21. Uh, where you're going to see a lot about vegetation hazard abatement, creating defensible spaces. You'll see us ramping up very hard working into the next fire season. Uh, but again, it's very important that folks really have more of an impact than they believe. We respond. We respond. That is, that is really at the last point that prevention, right, can help. Right now, everyone can be preventative and start preparing for uh, the next fire season. And so... We have banner years. Uh, we anticipate that next year is going to be equally dynamic and difficult, uh, but hopefully with the education and knowledge of our citizens um, and our, our cooperative partners, we can create safer communities and we can reduce the life loss and property loss. That's what's most important.
Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I know people can go to your website to get a wealth of information and up to date. And there's, I saw a press release about a website, some new um, technology that's being used that homeowners can, can utilize. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, just recently, the fire district has, if you, if you go to our website, we have created a new app um, that, that folks can actually go on to, to help, help us create a safer community. It's on the front page, uh, directly when you click onto our front page, I'm looking at it right now. And mm -hmm. when you go on to it, what it allows you to do is be able to very specific to your property, um, and your occupancy is that you're, you're able to put particular and specific information in about your property. How many people are there? If there's any special conditions we need to know about, if you're a business, do you have flammable liquids? Is there special unique things that we need to understand? Are you a 24 hour operation or not? And what's nice about this information is we uh, utilize what's called the pre-fire planning. There's two sides of this. There's the community side and there's also the operational side for our members. The tool that's nice for our members, they can take this software, they can go out and look at a commercial building, they can walk around it and they can do what we call pre-plan. And that pre-plan is available on their tablet inside of their engine. So when they're responding to an address, they can click on a button. And if they've walked around and done a pre-plan on it, they get to see all of that. Where is the access points? Where is the gas shutoff? Where is the nearest hydrant, the fire department connections? Is it sprinkler, non-sprinkler? All that information is in there. What's nice on the other side of it is that we can have the, the community put in those risks or their hazards, that information in there. They give us another inside look. Because listen, when we respond to medical aids, when we respond to fires, in a lot of ways, you know, we're like investigators, but in rapid mode. Yeah. We're trying to figure out what, what events occurred to bring us to the situation that we're in. What is the best way to access, to get out, to shut down, to turn off, to create the situation or the environment? Information is key, right? And that's why when we get there, if there's a family member that understands the history of the person that's unconscious, very helpful. If there's a way that we go into a building and someone that owns the building is able to walk with us and give us information, it's helpful. Well, this is technology that, that kind of puts information at our fingertips. And so uh, this first do information that we have, uh, we have it on the our side and on the community resident side. Uh, and look, we're just getting into it. We're just starting to use it, but we're very excited about it. Specifically for communities, uh, it, it's good for all communities, but, but even for the community, say, for the Marsh Creek Morgan Territory area. Um, the Byron or things that are more remote and it, there's things very unique to it. And we have some time and distance on our hands because usually with time and distance, wow. you have a greater problem when you arrive, right? And so understanding the complexity, what we may be walking into, getting an aerial overview and insider information from those that occupy that residence usually. And then what we've done on our own accord is just like our fire engines. It's a platform to help us perform better. So we're excited about it. So residents, uh, commercial building owners can go to this website and they create a profile and they give information specifically. That, that's, that's all that they have to do. Yeah. And then and that again, there's there's uh, the it's pretty self plug and play. Um, uh -huh. And there's also reference numbers, too. If there's any questions, our Fire Prevention Bureau uh, can provide any questions, clarifications, or comments. Our fire marshal oversees the platform and um, but again, we're just getting into it and we're really excited for what it's going to produce. 
Wonderful. Well, that's great news also. So we're happy to share that. We've got that on our ticker. I know it's on your website. Um, lastly, I have to say being fire chief is probably one of the most difficult jobs I can imagine. It takes a ton of passion to do this job day in and day out. Where would you say that passion comes from hmm. for you? Wow. That's deep. Um, <laughs> my passion? Well, no, listen, I, you know, I've always been team oriented. Um, I've always wanted to do something bigger than myself. Uh, I very, I felt very called uh, to what I do. I'm family oriented. Uh, I want to be a public and community servant. And, you know, I strive to do the best I can in all that I do. It, it's the badge is a huge part of what I do. It doesn't define who I am. Um, you know, everything from my beliefs and my faith and my family and the impact I want to leave and the model I want to be for my children um, is really the motivating factor. Uh, I wake up every morning with the desire to be a change maker, uh, to positively impact those I have the opportunity to come in contact with, and that's professionally and personally. And this industry um, of the fire service, which I got called into at a very young age, uh, met that met that match, right? It just really provided that pathway uh, for me to have not only the exposure and the reach internally and externally uh, to give. And that's really what it's all about for me. It's leaving any project, any program, any situation uh, better than, than I found it. And this is something that I'm in that is not going to be resolved overnight. Um, and I heavily believe in the individuals in the organization. I believe in the team. And I believe in the calling of what it is that we're here to do and the mission of the fire district. And so although the opportunity presents a tremendous amount, it's overwhelming and it's stressful. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a tremendous amount of, uh, of faith, however, that, again, I've been called to do what I'm here to do. And I love to do what I'm doing. And so it makes the sacrifice, I don't want to say easy, but it makes it easier. If that makes sense. Wonderful. Yes. Awesome. Well, we appreciated having you in the magazine. If people haven't checked out your article, it is in the November issue of the magazine. You can always uh, check out, check that out at the our, our website, 110mag.com. And um, there's a lot of great, more detailed information. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. you and all that you do, Brian. And uh, happy reading, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.